Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. One of our values here at Overflow is the presence of Jesus. We, we value the presence, and I, I think maybe just by being here this morning, you recognize that. We love the presence of Jesus. We love to, to be a place uh, as a body, as a congregation, even as a facility, a place to where the Lord would come and make his dwelling. And we, we, don't, we don't only believe that the presence of Jesus is with us when we're together. We actually believe that the presence goes with us everywhere we go. Come on. And uh, we, are all, we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. We take the presence of Jesus with us. So every, every time we we gather everywhere we go. We believe that when Jesus shows up, that he reveals himself, that he speaks, he heals, and transforms life. That's just what he does. Jesus is a, is a, is a transformer, not like in the sense that he transforms into other things, but that he transforms everything that he encounters. Everything that encounters Jesus is, gets changed. It gets, it, it gets shifted. And we see in Mark chapter 9, verse 15, kind of our text for this series, says this, says, as soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. And we've been talking about that, that Jesus was, is a man that is full of wonder. He wasn't, wasn't a man. He, he's not, was he a man that was full of wonder? He is a man that is full of wonder, right? Because he's alive and well. And so, but when they saw Jesus, they were, they were overwhelmed with wonder. That Jesus is wonderful. By that we mean he is, he's not just good, but he's full of wonder. That he's, that he's amazing. And so these people, they ran out to meet, to meet Jesus. They ran out from their houses. Whenever they found out Jesus was coming into town, they all left everything at the house. They stopped what they were doing and ran out to meet him. Why? Because he was absolutely fascinating. They were blown away by his wonder. And so we've been talking about this, that he's, that he's uh, full of worth. Because, because he is full of wonder, he is also full of worth. That when we look at him, we're like, wow, you are so valuable. Right? How many, we talk a lot about the value of us as people, but how many know that Jesus is incredibly valuable? Like he, there is a value that he is, he is worth. And what is he valuable of? What, what is he worthy of? What is his value? His value is, is, is the worship of the nations. His worth is, 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 is the worship of every person that's ever lived. And, and that's, that's actually where we get the word worship is, is worthship. That's where that word comes from, that he's, he's worth our worship. And can I tell you today that whatever that you give most weight to in your life, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Whatever stresses you out, whatever, whatever, whatever captures your attention the most, whatever demands your affection, that is the thing that you're worshiping. Are you with me? So a lot of times we have a, a difficult situation, and all we can think about is that situation. Can I tell you, that situation is not worth that much attention. Most of our attention must continually be on Jesus. When Paul said, pray without ceasing, he didn't mean, you know, have a quiet time every day. He meant actually be a carrier of the presence, reveal the presence continually. See, the thing that dictates our behaviors and our decisions is whatever we put the most emphasis on, right? Most of us serve Jesus wholeheartedly. Why? Because he has our affection. He has our attention. We, we have placed our affections and our attention on him, but we call this worship. So when we do that, then, then we're saying, Jesus, you are absolutely the king, that you are my God. But what happens is so many times is we build up these little idols in our life, right? And we think about that most. And then what happens when you think about that most out of stress? It changes 
the way that you act. It changes the way that you respond. Your behaviors change. Your decisions change. Why? Because the God that you serve will be the God that you worship. Right? Don't, listen, don't serve need in your life. Don't serve the, the thing that's most stressful. Serve the God that is unshakable. The thing that will never change. God is constant. He will never change. Your situations, they will change. Your frustrations today, will be, they will be different in five years. And we remind ourselves all the time, it's just a season. It's just a season. Can I tell you today, don't focus on the season. Focus on the one who has no seasons. You see, with God, there is no seasons. He doesn't change. He's not this way today and, and tomorrow in a bad mood. No, he's in a good mood. Every year is jubilee. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, every year is jubilee. Right? Right? Every year is jubilee in, in God. Every hour is happy hour. Right? With, with God, that's the way it is. Come on. Uh, and so what happens... And we talked about this today. Y'all all right? It's happy hour right now. So listen, a greater revelation. So what happens is when we look at this man who is full of wonder, we, 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 we get locked in at a revelation. We're like, oh, you're a good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Right? Four, four weeks later, right? But eventually you look at him a little bit differently. You're a good, inside his father. This, you're going, you're a good nurturer. Oh, Lord, you nurture me. Lord, you fill me with good things. You're a good provider. And you're on that for six months. Right? And that's good for you. Why are you getting so obsessed about the attributes of God? Because I am obsessed with his nature. I'm obsessed that he is absolutely fascinating. And so whenever I, and this is what happens. When we look at him, we're like, you're a good father. And five years later, you're like, you're a good father. And you're totally like wrecked by it, right? Why? Because, you're, cause, because the more that we are getting revelation about God, and of this God that is incredibly fascinating, it provokes a greater level of worship. Our re- as our revelation increases of who he is, as our revelation increases of who he is, you with me? Then our capacity to worship him increases. So we're like, you're good. Whoa! Five years later. Right? The next thing. Boom, you're hammered again. What, and what's happening is it's beckoning worship in you. Why? Because every revelation increases your capacity to worship Him. That's why your worship as a believer doesn't diminish over the years. It increases. If you stop worshiping, it's because your revelation of Jesus has decreased. And that's the only revelation you got. So you move along to the next thing. Right? And by the next thing, I don't mean the next thing in God. You get bored. You get bored looking at the same thing over and over again. Now, what's crazy is like we could just take, it will take us eternity just to grasp the peace of God. It'll take eternity just to get that one. So we'll spend a thousand years on that one and then look at the next one. The problem is, is we only have this much revelation on the peace of God. That's all we get and we get bored with it. So we move on to something else outside of God and we begin to serve that. Now this is what Paul prays. I love this right here. I I don't actually teach a lot on this scripture, but I pray this scripture a lot. We prayed this in week one and this is what he says in Ephesians chapter three, verse 16. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches... How many of you know that's a lot of riches? That he may strengthen you 
with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he's praying for our inner being. What? That we would have a capacity so that Christ could dwell. All right? Are you guys tracking? And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, and that's what we're going to talk about today, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. Listen, revelation will increase by being in community. Why? Because you can't handle all of God. In fact, all of God's people can handle all of, all of God. But capacity together, we, we, we're bigger. Right? It's like we come together, we're in community. It's not just one gallon being filled full of revelation. It's actually like 50 gallons of revelation being poured out. And then we're able to share it among one another. Are you guys with me? But it's like, we, it's like when we come together, it's like it's no longer I'm a gallon, your gallon. It's like, it's like we, we become a two-gallon tank. And then we become like a 50-gallon tank. We're like an 80-gallon tank. More. More fullness, more glory. So we, together with all the saints, to what? This is his prayer, that we be rooted and established in love, rooted in community. What for? <laughs> to grasp. To grasp. To get it. To understand. To understand what? Here, are you with me? Right here. No, no, no. Listen. To get with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. See, we're like, oh, it's so mysterious. We, you know, some people are like, they hear the mystery and they check out. Oh, it's, too, it's too mysterious. It's not the way. He, he's praying that we would get it. He's praying that we would understand how wide and how far God's love will go. This is his prayer. I'm praying that you would be strengthened, that you would be a community, that you'd be able to get out. I want you to know. So Paul, tell him to pray that because I want to answer those prayers. I want him to know how wide my love is. I want him to know that my arms are eternal. Forever. How deep is the love of Christ? That this love goes beyond knowledge. What does that tell me? That tells me that you can't know enough about the love of God. It goes beyond your capacity to know. That you would be filled. And then he says this. This is scripture blows me away. Every time I read it, I'm like, what? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What? <laughs> that stinky mug today. <laughs> Emily told me that I'd do this. Because the price yeah. But he said, listen, God's fullness, I mean, that's like, don't even think there, right? I mean, have you ever tried to grasp, like, eternity? Like, in your mind, you're like, whoa. And, like, six days later, you're like, like, multiply that, like, 10 million. God's fullness. Like, you can't even put a number on it. It's infinity. What? God's fullness is from age to age. It's from, from the corner of the universe to the other corner, and we don't even know where the corners are. It's unending. God's fullness is unending. But he's saying that we may be filled with his unending fullness. That's a whole lot. No wonder you overflow. It just... You can only handle so much, right? And I was thinking, hey, so I watched this documentary the, yesterday, 
And I've always been fascinated by this place called Mariana's Trench. I think we have a picture. This isn't it, but it's the closest thing you can get. You actually can't take pictures of it, uh, Mariana's Trench. Is it on there? Oh, is it a video? There it is. So you're like, I can't see anything. Yeah, you can't see anything down there. You actually have to take light. And uh, it's the deepest, deepest part of the ocean. It's, it's almost seven miles deep. And so if you were to take Mount Everest and turn it upside down, it's bigger than Mount Everest. It's the deepest place. It's like we go, we've touched the moon, right? We can go outside of space and we can like look at all these things. Yet on the earth, there's, there's unexplored places. There's things that live there that can't live anywhere else. Why? Because it's so deep. And when the, the further deeper, the, the deeper you go, the more pressure builds. Can I tell you that as we discover the revelation of the deepness of God, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. It will overwhelm you. So what has to happen is you've got to have God to understand it. It takes God to get God. It takes God to love God. Are you with me? Seven miles deep. So James Cameron, if you guys know who he is, uh, he's, a, he's actually pretty anti-Christian, but he's, in a, he, he's really like devoted himself to this like exploring like these places. And we watch this thing and he gets, they build because there's, they don't make anything like that. They had to create a capacity to go down there and touch down at the bottom of Mariana's Trench. They had to create a whole new vehicle to do it. Can I tell you that you will have to develop a whole new capacity to understand the depths of God. And then once you've landed, you'll have to create a whole new capacity to understand the depths of God because it's unending. There's, but there's things that live there. There's things that, that are unexplored, that are untouched. There is a place waiting for you. And so many of us, sometimes with our questions, we don't know what to do with them. And this is what the skeptic does, right? And I'm, skept, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a skeptic. And if you want to have a conversation about that, God doesn't have a problem with skepticism, by the way. He loves answering the skeptic. Um, so questions should provoke a quest. Questions should provoke a quest. We shouldn't go, oh, man, it's just the love of God. You know, I, I, when I got saved, it was kind of like people, something would be going on in your life, and this is what they do. Well, his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. The end. And I'm like, I don't like that. I want to understand his ways. And that's what it says. If you read that scripture in the New Testament references, it says, but he has revealed it by his spirit. So God has ways that are way unsearchable. But guess what he does? He gives you God to understand his ways. He gives you the mind of Christ so you can understand his depths, his riches. His, you're not going to get it all. But you better start pursuing it because the quest provokes a question. The question provokes a quest. Listen, worship is not about, ex, about destination. It's about exploration. So when we worship, it's not like so I can get to a point, so I can have this experience. That's not what worship is for. It's not a destination. It's an exploration. Worship is where I go, let me look at the beauty of God. Whoa. And then it's like questions are answered, all this stuff happens. So worship, listen, is, 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 is about exploration, not about destination. Well, when this happens, stop that. You're living from glory to glory. Come on. Sometimes what we know is keeping us from the things that we need to know. 
Well, I know you're like, man, I'm just going through this hard time, man, but the love of God is so, man, God just loves you. I know. Are you discouraged? Are you depressed? Yeah. Well, then you need to know that more. Because love sustains. So this is what I'm saying whenever I'm going through the difficult season. This is, this is, this is what I'm going to say now. And I want you to say it with me. When someone says, when, when someone comes to you and they try to comfort you and you get frustrated because they're trying to be the body of Christ, let me just tell you that right now. Some of you don't know how to handle when people are trying to be there for you. And the greatest thing that you can learn is to allow people to be there for you. And I know it's hard. I know it's difficult when we're going through something and people come to us and we get annoyed by it. It's like you get, like you hurt and people are like, are you okay? Are you okay? And we get frustrated. Listen, you don't get frustrated about that. People are trying to be the body. Let them be the body. Let them in and let them help you. Right? Come on, let me tell you. I'll hurt. Don't ask me any questions. Listen, when someone tells you, man, God loves you, I'm hurting. Man, I just, I don't know, this happened. I, I've suffered loss. I've suffered pain. I've suffered these things. And someone says, man, God just loves you so much. And you know what you need to tell them? Don't say, I know. Say, I'm learning that. Because you don't have, because when you say, I know, you put an end cap on it. You capped it. I know. You prideful, humble yourself. I'm learning that. You know a little. Well, I've been serving God for like 60 years. I know a lot about the love of God. You haven't even scratched the surface. Give it like 10 million years and then we'll have a conversation. <laughs> love of God is deep. I'm learning that. Let that become part of your vernacular when someone tries to encourage you. Say, I'm learning that. Be humble. I'm trying to help you live in community. Come on. Listen, his beauty is endless, so so should our pursuit be. His beauty is endless, so should our pursuit be. We should never stop pursuing. I'm going to keep you guys a little bit late today. I hope you're okay with that. Listen. No. Go on. Okay, go for it. Whatever you need to do. I know you're getting hungry. Listen. Years ago, I, I got this revelation. Why do people stop hungering for more of God? And one of the things that we do is we have pride, which we've been talking about. Another thing that happens is, is we get our fill on other things. Okay? So I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. It's just cool. It's not commercialized. I love getting together with people and eating. I love the eating part. That's probably the part I most like the most. So say that we're having Thanksgiving at our house on Thanksgiving Day, and we invite a bunch of people over, a bunch of family. And, or someone invites me over, and I'm on my way, and I'm, I'm th- I wake up, and I'm like, man, you know what sounds good this morning? Some Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm. I'm going to stop by Krispy Kreme on my way to Grandma's house. So I drive over to Krispy Kreme, and I order me two dozen donuts. Those, they're hot, man. They have the sign on and everything. I'm like, glory to God. I'm going to eat this, and then I'm going to go eat some good old deep-fried turkey. And so I stop in Krispy Kreme, and I sit down, and I eat two dozen donuts. What happens when I show up? Do I want turkey? No, because I've filled myself with other things. Listen, you've got to develop an appetite. You've got to say no to some things in order to say yes to other things. You get rid of that compromise and your game plan in your life, and you'll see the hunger for God increase because you're just filling that hunger with something that's not supposed to be there. Listen, the beauty of God cannot be revealed in one setting, one year, or even a lifetime. It takes eternity to grasp the beauty of God. The beauty of God cannot be revealed in one setting, one year, or even in a lifetime. It takes eternity to grasp the beauty of God. So David said it like this. He said, so this is what I'm going to do. Psalm 27, 4, he said, one thing. 
One thing I ask. I mean, dude, he, he had a lot going on in his life, <laughs> David. Yeah, the nations. Lord, what do you want, David? Lord, one thing. This is what I seek, that I may gaze at the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. That I might seek him in his temple. That I may be familiar with the presence of God. This is what I want more than anything. More than riches. More than popularity. More than fame. More than friends. More than anything. I want Jesus. Uh, This one thing. Just one one thing. When we become the people of one thing, we are entering that journey that says, God, I want to discover you. Nothing else will do. And you'll have other things. And you've got to learn to to start practicing the presence of Jesus. And by that, I'm not talking about a worship setting. I'm talking about when you're living your life. So the power to grasp, being rooted and established in love. How how do we do that? How how do we have the power to get it? Because I want to get it. Like, I'm learning that. I I got my pinky on it. Are you ever ca- trying to carry something around? Like, you know, when you get the groceries? Yeah. You go, you get the groceries, and you're like, there's one more bag. Right? And you're, yeah. you're all dragging. <laughs> the bananas are all jacked up by the time you get in the house. It's all sloppy. <laughs> I made it in one trip. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, God wants you to have the power, the capacity to grasp the deep, deep love of Jesus. And listen, in order to be grasped, in order to grasp, in order to get a grip on it, we must first be gripped. It takes God to love God. So the first thing, the first thing that Paul says here is, is be rooted in love. Rooted in love. That love would be our root. It means that, that love is my life source. It means that love is at the core of my life. It means I center my life around him. Listen, if you lose the love of God, you lose everything. If you lose that revelation of the love of God, you lose everything. Everything gets jacked up. You get into legalism. You get into things, stuff, possessions. All of a sudden, your value is found on the outside, not on the inside. And so what we do is we spend our whole life trying to feel better about ourselves by what goes on externally. And Jesus is saying, if you allow me to be your life source... You'll get my love. Everything will settle out. Now, it says it rooted in love. And and some of us are saying, well, wait, isn't love a fruit? Yes. But it's also a root. It's the fruit of being planted in God's presence. That love is at my core. I center my life around him. I choose to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, my attention, and my affection. But again, it takes 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Rooted in that. God, I love you. Not because I'm so disciplined. Right? Not because everything's going well in my life. No, I love God for this one reason. I love God for this one reason. He loved me. And he looked at you when you were unlovable. Nobody should love you. He loved you when that, in those darkest thoughts, those darkest opinions that you've had. He loved you then. He loved you at your brightest, and he loved you at, a, at your lowest. And I'm so glad when I was 18 years old that I, I finally got it, that he loves me. And then I said, God, I love you back. 
Listen, that's all Christianity is. God, I love you back. You say, what about loving your neighbors? Yeah, that, that too. Listen, and I'm going to get into that. When we're rooted in God's love for us, the result is the fruit of love. So when you understand God loves you, that's the root. That's the root. Everything establishes right there. Now you love yourself. I know the world's talking about this. Even some of the church, just love you. You got to love yourself before. Any, I, I'm sorry, I don't see Jesus saying that. I see him say, if you want joy, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. We want J-Y-O, Jesus first, then myself, and then others. That isn't the way it works. You get full of the love of God, his love, his acceptance, his value over you. You can worry about all those insecure issues. You find your security in the love of God. You're not going to have to love yourself. And maybe you disagree with that. I don't know. I don't really care. Um, just to be honest, you love God. You pursue him. All that stuff's going to, all, all the garbage that you deal with, all the, the issues you have, all the, all the, 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 the things that they want to medicate in me will be solved by me exploring the love of God. We don't need more medication. We need more revelation. I'm not saying that there's not a place for medication. Is there bombs going off? I hear like, <laughs> okay. So how does, how does a root become fruit? It gets planted. How does a root become fruit? It gets planted. Only a well, listen, only a well-rooted tree can be fruitful. Right? You got a tree that's dying? They haven't produced any fruit. Right? No matter how, if that, listen, there, there are several things that it takes for a tree to grow. It takes sun, right? It takes uh, water, and it also must be well-rooted. Are you with me? A well If it's not well-rooted, it's not going to produce. And if it does produce fruit, it won't be fruit that lasts. It'll fall off before it's ripe. Check this out, Psalm 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. You guys ever seen a Le- Lebanese flag? It's got a palm tree on it. They're known for their palm tree or cedars. It says they will grow like cedars of Lebanon. Great big cedars. We'll do a study on that some other time. It says this planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of their God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no wickedness in him. Listen. When we are rooted in the presence of Jesus, as it says right here, planted in the house of the Lord. What is the house of the Lord? The house of the Lord is, 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 is the dwelling place of God. You say, well, isn't that myself? Uh, yeah, but the focus isn't the habitation. The focus is that which inhabits. So when you are rooted in the presence of God, you will see the fruit of love come out in your life. The presence of Jesus that says, I love you. The presence of Jesus that says, you're my beloved. The result is a refreshed lifestyle. This is what it says. They'll bear fruit. They'll stay fresh and green. They're an evergreen. You, you are an evergreen tree. You don't have, listen, because you've said yes to Jesus, you don't have to have these seasons of dryness. The seasons around you might change, but your season doesn't change. You stay fresh and green. I'm just going through a dry season. That's, if you believe that, you're believing a lie. You're fresh and green. You stay fresh and green. You stay exhilarated. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I've had days go by. Leslie can attest to this where I've been dry, but I haven't had seasons of it. Come on. There might be a day that I need a little more water. But I can tell you for 20 years, 
I guess I'm still, I, I haven't experienced these seasons, these, these desert experiences, all this kind of, gar- Jesus didn't call you to the desert. He called you to the promised land. Call you in your journey. The result is a fresh lifestyle. Listen, and let me just say this. So talking about the, the world and how do we love the world and how do we function with the love of God. Listen, you can force fruit. You can't force fruit. You can only bear it. You can only carry fruit, right? God does the producing. You're rooted in him, and that's what comes out. If you want to be more loving to your family, if you want to be more loving to those at your workplace, to the lost, to the hurting, don't go to another conference. Get in the presence. Get rooted in the love of God. Listen, you want, you want to be more loving? Spend more time marinating in God's gooey goodness. Well, I'm just not very optimistic. Well, then spend some time marinating in the gooey goodness of God. It's gooey, sticky, oily, greasy goodness. It's chicken fried steak, greasy, gooey, donut gooey goodness. It's good, good, good. Don't we eat like those, you know, they're telling us, so you need to eat this because it's good for you. Right? It's good for you, so eat this. It tastes like garbage, but you need to eat it because it's good for you. It's not like that way in the kingdom. It tastes good. And it's good for you. It's the gooey goodness of God. Listen, God is slobbery good over you. He's not like, I love you because it's my cosmic duty. He's like sick in love with you. Well, it's in my Bible, so I guess I'll do it. God isn't like that. He's in love with you like mad sick Gross in love with you, slobby. You know, people are like, whenever they did, whenever that song came out, John Mark's song, uh, you know, the, the song is Sloppy Wet Kiss. Everybody's like, oh, oh, I can't believe it. God doesn't do anything sloppy. Let's change it to something that's a little bit more palatable for people. Get over that. Would you understand when I kiss my kids? I'm not like, let me make sure that I make sure that it's nice and let me get my lips ready. How's that? Oh, heck no. I get them, and I start kissing on them, and I start slobbering on them, and I'm getting my spit on them on purpose, and I'm blowing on their belly. Why? Because I got gooey goodness over my kids. I love them, and I love to kiss on them and gross them out and all that. Because, listen, God loves you like that. He is sick in love with you. You're his kid. He wants to slobber on you. Some of y'all having a hard time with that. Listen, you got to understand God is a good father. He's not some cosmic, oh, so so make sure I'm going to spank your butt all the time. That's what we think about the love of God. God loves me, so he's having to correct me all the time. He will correct you, make no doubt about it. But I'm telling you this, he is in love with you. Sick, crazy in love with you. You get rooted in that. You, You get rooted in this unshakable love, and you watch your love be unshaken. You want to love others? Get in the love of God. Like that. You know, I would never say that. Listen. And this is what you need to do. When people are coming, I'm trying to finish up. Listen, when people are coming into your life and you're frustrated about them, it's, it's work, it's a situation, it's, it's, it's something, and you're like, man, how do I love that? It's so hard. I, I, I get it. Trust me. I drive in Dallas. <laughs> Listen, so what you need to do, rather than getting frustrated, is you say this. You say, God, what is your love for that person? What does it look like? God, what do you think about them? How do you feel about them? Rather than being annoyed by that, or maybe even the pastor because he talked too much about slobbering today. 
Ask God, how do you feel about that person? How do you feel about that person? And don't answer those questions with your knowledge or through your theology. Answer those questions with God's heart. God, how do you feel about them? Show me the way that you feel for them. We do ministry all the time out of obligation. Oh, I got to do it. The Bible says I better do it. You better, like, develop a love for people or it's going to be fruitless. Number two, so be rooted in love. Number two, be established in love. I'm almost done. Established in love means that I choose to be obsessed with love and that this love is immovable. How do we get established in an unmovable love? By this, developing a lifestyle of gazing. See, David got this, that he gazed. Check this out. Psalm 16, 8, he says, I have set the Lord always before me. So how is my love unestablished? It's by, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm not looking at my situation. I'm not looking at the difficult stuff. I'm looking at Jesus. He says this. David had a lot to be stressed out about. He said, because I have set the Lord always before me, I will not be shaken. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. How many of you want a glad heart? You want a glad heart? I'm not talking about an emotional heart that's happy because the bills are paid this month. I'm talking about a glad heart that is steadfast glad. You want a steadfast glad heart? Then the answer is this. I have set the Lord always before me. My gladness isn't shaken. My love isn't shaken because my focus is fixed. When we are consistent in our gaze, we become unshakable. Nothing can shake you. The bills don't get paid. You don't stress out about it. You don't put the house on the market. You don't abandon God. You don't quit answering phone calls. Why? Because you're focused on the Lord. Just like we talked about earlier, don't get so caught up in what is going on around you. Focus on the thing that is unshakable. There's only one thing that we know, gang. And it's not people. people. We're shakable. We can't focus on one another. We love one another. We tend to one another's needs. We're in community together. Absolutely. But we are not the focus. And I, I struggle with this as a pastor. So much focus on people. I'm like, oh, man, I need to make this person happy. I need to make that person happy. I need to, what do I need to do to make sure that they don't leave the church, make sure that they're not upset. I'm, I'm serious. This is the stuff I deal with. And it's just like, Jesus, you're the goal of my life. It's not about my church, or the churches you've called us to lead. It's not about my finances. It's not about any of that. I'm focused on Jesus. As we gaze at the unshakable God in us, he forms in us the ability to remain unshaken by whatever comes our way. Whatever our focus is, it's the foundation that we're standing on. Whatever your focus is, that is the foundation you're standing on. So if your focus is your job, what happens when your job falls apart? If your focus is your dating life, what happens when you don't have anybody to date? Focus on the unshakable one. I love this. This last scripture right here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Since we're receiving the unshakable, let us worship God. Since you've received this, deposit inside of you the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. The kingdom's established. Those things are unshaken. Righteousness, 
Nothing can shake your righteousness. You're right with God. That's it. The end. Light show. Peace. Your resolve in difficult situations. It's unshakable. Nobody can take your peace because it's kingdom bound. It's bound by the kingdom of God. No one can take your joy. No one can take your joy. I said no one can take your joy. You don't blame it on situations. You don't blame it on circumstances. It's a kingdom issue. It's an inside job. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The unshakable one.